Attention Life Tips listeners, looking for better ways to become better, smarter, faster, and wiser? Well, listening to Life Tips is a great start, but how about if we gave you an easier way to listen? Introducing the WebmasterRadio.fm mobile app, now available for iPhone and Android. Listen to Life Tips and even more programs that will help you build to a better health, wealth, and lifestyle. Download the WebmasterRadio.fm mobile app in the iTunes Store or in Google Play today. Feeling better? Looking better? Making life better? It's Life Tips. We'll explore the latest innovations, introduce you to the latest products, and bring you the tips from experts and environmental pioneers to help you lead a better life. Life Tips. Making your life smarter better, faster, wiser. Here are your hosts. Welcome back to the Life Tips Show, everyone. Here with Wally Hawk. All right. Thanks, Byron. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm really uh, looking forward to uh, your challenging questions. Has anybody ever said to you, don't hawk with me? No. No. No, they haven't. <laughs> Has they anybody ever called things. you the hawk? The hawk? Oh, the hawk. <laughs> like the, the incredible hawk. I guess that was, <laughs> that was close. Yeah, the incredible hawk. Absolutely. Yes, I, I don't look anything like it, and I'm not green, but I respond to that. <laughs> Very good. You're the author of uh, "Stop the Leadership Malpractice." For starters, where does where does the where, where did the word malpractice fit into the title of this book? Yeah, malpractice. Uh, thanks for asking that because that was kind of a revelation. I was I was sitting in my office thinking about how to write about uh, the typical performance appraisal. That's the full title of that book. It's Stop the Leadership Malpractice, How to Replace the Typical Performance Review. And um, I'd been doing a lot of writing about it, a lot of thinking about it. I'm a big proponent of uh, Dr. Deming who said it's a, uh, it's a deadly disease. And so I call myself the doctor with the cure of the de- uh, for the deadly disease of the typical performance review. And um, I, I was I was watching a show on on television, and a doctor was on and talking about malpractice in the medical profession. And I thought, oh my goodness, this ties together because malpractice means that you either are negligent or you uh, carelessly make a mistake, uh, doing something completely wrong that causes harm. And uh, so that's, uh, that's uh, pretty, uh, pretty clear in the medical profession, also in, uh, with attorneys as well. Attorneys are sued for malpractice. And I'm thinking, well, that makes total sense to me because the typical performance review causes more harm than good. So I called it leadership malpractice, and it seemed to stick. Hmm. Employees are, are, are an ever-evolving, uh, you know, um, uh, let's call it, uh, ocean of of turbulence and and uh, and challenges from my perspective. When you really look at employees and in managing employees these days, there are new breeds of employees that we're seeing. Mind you, I'm a you know 20 plus year veteran of having employees work for me over the years. Are you seeing some changes with with what's motivating employees these days? And is that some of the spark that you're trying to get to with the book? Well, uh, I am not a big proponent of this. Uh, uh, promoting differences between generations. I believe that uh, there's a number of uh, consultants out there that look for these differences uh, to make a little bit extra money. And I, I just, 
I tend to focus on principle. And if somebody grows up in this generation or in a past generation, they both have to behave according to principle. And what I talk about in the book is that the principles that we've been taught are flawed. And so we continue to operate according to those principles. That causes malpractice. And so that's my focus. What what are the key principles that we want to focus on? And then when we do that and we do it well, regardless of the generations, uh, employees will respond positively. Now you're always going to you know you're always going to get a knucklehead that, um, but they're few and far between. They're they're a very small percentage that are you know severely damaged either emotionally or uh, mentally. Uh, so I don't focus on that either because that's that's a hiring process. We should have a hiring process to screen out people that are really severely damaged and can't respond to principle. Otherwise, you know, why have rules and regulations and policies that are geared to the worst of the worst type of behaviors when in fact those same policies like the typical performance review actually create misery for uh for the majority of the employees and and they're generally geared just for this uh for the small few that seem to cause a lot of problems so i say focus on principle that's what i'm talking about byron Sounds interesting. So what are some of the flawed principles that we all possess that you're trying to help out with? Sure. Here's one that is a challenge, and that is that the fixing the parts of an organization or the employees will make the entire organization work better. That's a flawed assumption. That's not systems thinking. That's uh, that's an old model that comes from the late 1800s early 1900s by a fellow by the name of Frederick Taylor. Frederick Taylor uh, helped uh, Ford and many of the manufacturers in the industrial age get going and to make a lot of money. What he said was, look, um, most people don't speak English and most people, and uh, virtually no one is educated. So we have to lay out exactly what they're supposed to do, tell them what they're supposed to do, and then we pay them according to that. So he really was a proponent and a, and a creator of the current management model that we're still using today and that's still being taught in schools. And that is uh, contr- manage people. By, by the way, the, der- the derivation of the word manage is about slavery. That's about controlling. And what I'm saying is you manage process and you lead people. So uh, Frederick Taylor said, look, um, I'm going to show you exactly what to do. You better do it. If you don't do it, you're either fired or not, I'm not going to pay you. Uh, and and so that's a controlling technique. And that doesn't work anymore because now uh, people are educated and the workplace is a lot more complex. Uh, people are not given uh, – the majority of the work today is not menial tasks of putting widgets together. It's about critical thinking and problem solving. So that management model, has, we've just evolved past it. And so now it's, it's time to let it go. So that's hmm. one, of the, one of the principles that's flawed. Hmm. Isn't, isn't it the case, however, that when you enter, a new pro, you enter a new job, there is structure that needs to be followed? There are certain things to do and not do with related to your job and your job description. Are, are you a proponent of structure? And, and, and how do you distinguish between managing the process and leading people when you do need structure in there as the thread that, that binds this together? 
Well, sure, you've got to have some structure and you have to have some processes that you follow. Uh, but you you also have to – here's another principle that we don't uh, – that most organizations don't appreciate and that is – appreciate appreciating the management of variation you're going to get variation in any kind of process or policy that you put together so why not set up principles that people follow and then trust them to follow those principles and then why not give them uh the uh the tools to give each other feedback if they stray off of that i'll give you an example um we've got uh I'm sorry to say we have three dogs in our house right now. We have two, we have two rescue dogs that uh, my wife and I, my wife Lori and I got about five years ago. And then my daughter came home to live with us for a while and she brought a dog with us. So now we have three dogs. Well, one, uh, the, my daughter's dog Maggie is very young and she's already taught, uh, she, she tore up the couch a couple of times. So what we have to do is we have to put her in the garage before we leave the house. And so the three of us have been doing that. If we leave the house, we put Maggie in the garage, we give her a bone, you know, we give her a bed, she's fine. Well, this one day I was in a hurry, just a, a week or so ago, I was in a hurry to get out of the house. I had to go meet some people right away, and it was a short-term notice. So I ran out of the house, I left Maggie inside. And, you know, I just forgot. And so I come home, and my daughter turns to me. My daughter's 22. Emily, she says, Dad, did you purposely leave Maggie in the house? And I said, oh, my gosh, I left her in the house. That's horrible. Is the couch okay? Yes, it is. Well, my gosh, what a mistake. So we have a process to follow, but I forgot. That's, a, that's what I call a memory-dependent process. Mm-hmm. Now, what I have to do is I have to figure out a system-dependent process in order to make sure that I remember, what do I do? Put a post-it note on the, on the door on the way out? Do I uh, do a reminder on my iPhone to make sure every time I walk out the door that you know recording goes off? I haven't figured that out yet. But that's what I call variation in a process. And my daughter gave me feedback about that. So it helps me to remember, but it's still a memory-dependent process. Mm-hmm. So there's structure and there's process, but you're going to get variation. How do you manage that variation? And how do you make it so that it's, uh, it's not manager-dependent and it's not memory-dependent, but it's system-dependent? And everybody needs to figure that out. And you don't need a performance appraisal to do that. There's, there's, uh, there's, well, here's a quick question. What is the consequence of malpractice? In the dog example, we know what it is. If you left the dog inside, they may have eaten all on the couch, right? But what are the consequences in the, in the, in the business world as we apply this to leadership and, and leading uh, your company and not having this sort of malpractice with your leadership. What are the consequences of, of that malpractice? If you, you know, is, is it lack of productivity, profit, uh, misalignment, turnover? What are the consequences that you're seeing? Yeah, consequences of the uh, malpractice or consequences of doing the typical performance review. Yeah, they are many. Um, the first one for me that bothers me the most is uh, the damage to the relationship and trust between the employee and the manager. Um, the uh, study after study after study shows that to get people to be engaged, uh, and what does engagement mean? Engagement means that 
employees are are emotionally connected to the organization and their team such that they're willing to put in extra effort without being asked, bribed, or threatened. So you want people to be engaged. But uh, study after study, in fact, uh, Gallup has been tracking this uh, employee engagement for probably 12, 14 years. It has never gotten above 30%. Now think about that for a second. So we have all these really smart leaders but they can't get more than 30% of their people engaged. The rest of them are either disengaged, meaning they're doing just the minimum. That's about 54%. So uh, think about this. For the last 12 to 14 years, there's been uh, only 29 to 30% people engaged. Well, that's, that's a huge problem for productivity, loyalty, quality improvement, teamwork, so there's a, a huge gap there. And, and here's the other thing. Study after study has shown that in order to get customer loyalty and customer satisfaction scores up, and a lot of people are tracking customer satisfaction today. I'm working with a major uh, luxury car manufacturer, and they say that we, what we realize is that unless we get employee engagement up, we're not going to get our customer satisfaction scores up. So there's a direct connection there, and our leadership model is failing us. 29% to 30%, are you kidding me? That's, that's malpractice right there. One of the things that uh, is concerning me when we talk about motivation, teamwork, loyalty, productivity, um, is, is lack of fun in the workplace. <laughs> can, can you comment on the importance of fun in the workplace and how fun itself can be a real motivator? Oh, absolutely. I, I, I love that question. No, uh, I've had about uh, uh, 20 interviews. Nobody's asked me that question. I really appreciate that question. Yeah, I like to say fun and joy. Uh, there's, and they're two different things. Fun, of course, means what? That means you're relaxed, you're not anxious, and you're willing to take some risk and you're willing to be open and you're willing to joke around, and the stress that you feel is not negative stress, but it's positive, challenging stress. And, uh, and so you're, you're willing to give of yourself to have some fun. Uh, it's, it's about risk-taking. So what happens with the typical review is that it damages fun because it creates negative anxiety and or fear of criticism. How can you have fun if you think you're going to be criticized? I, I don't know how to do it, personally. So uh, it damages fun. But the other thing that it does uh, is it damages joy. And joy has to do with how you connect what you're doing to some greater purpose and some uh, accomplishment and some progress that you're making. So... Uh, by by being criticized, I'm, I'm calling it criticism because in the typical review, the manager is giving the employee a grade, just like in school. Uh, the student gets a grade by the teacher. The employee gets a grade by the manager. If, uh, if you're going to get a grade, you're going to withhold uh, some things from the manager, possibly. You're going to uh, take less risk, possibly. And both of those things can damage both fun and joy in the workplace. So that's another, you just, you just uh, pointed out another 
a piece of the consequences of this malpractice. Let's take a break, everyone. We'll be back in just a second. Life Tips will be right back after this short break. I'm John Ball, and I'm one of the founders of Page One Power. Page One Power is a custom link building firm based in Boise, Idaho. We increase search rankings and web traffic for world-class brands and mom-and-pop shops all around the globe. Our link building strategies work because we focus on relevancy and quality, and we don't outsource anything. Our in-house staff of professional writers and researchers is the best in the industry. We're the link builders you've been looking for. Visit us today at pageonepower.com. Ever wondered how you could have access to your own SEO expert, paid search specialist, or social media wizard? Looking for help with your affiliate, display media, or email marketing? Look no further than the folks at Fang Digital Marketing. Fang Digital specializes in both paid and organic search, social media, display, and mobile advertising solutions, and is staffed by industry veterans from Google, Yahoo, and one of the industry's most influential PPC experts. Fang Digital's award-winning staff stays on top of the latest digital trends and offer tailored solutions so they can audit your progress and build a roadmap to your success. Learn more about their expanding range of full-service strategic marketing solutions at fangdigital.com. That's F-A-N-G digital.com. There are many things we would love to catch. Catching the final out of a baseball game. And that's the ball game. Reeling that big catch of the day. Or catching a ride home. Taxi! How about catching more attention like the biggest retail brands on earth? Introducing Catchy.com, where they sell short branded attractive.com domain names. Use a short and catchy brand just like Sony, Visa, and Nike for your next business venture. You can even rent to own for as low as $100 a month. Catch a big break for your business with Catchy.com. Let us help you discover the keys to success. The keys to success in your internet marketing. WebmasterRadio.fm presents Marketing Nirvana, presented by CertifiedKnowledge.org. CertifiedKnowledge.org. Overcome the trials and tribulations of the past, and let Marketing Nirvana revolutionize your revenue stream. And ROI Marketing Nirvana, presented by CertifiedKnowledge.org. Mondays. At- and now back to life tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, and wiser. Here are your hosts. Well, Wally, welcome back. Tell me a little bit about personalization when it comes to performance. Do you believe that employees should and could actually design the metrics that they want to be measured against? And would, would that help with motivation and be a real driver? Absolutely. It's what Toyota does. Toyota, Toyota gives employees, and Toyota, uh, I think we'd have to agree, is a very successful organization. A lot of people, a lot of organizations are attempting to uh, model their organization after Toyota, and they're having uh, trouble doing it, even though they give tours and they talk about it. And there's tons of books about it because it's partly a culture. But what, one thing that Toyota does is they track data on uh, tasks that employees do and that and the employees track their own data and then the employees are, are are asked okay well go ahead and experiment and see if you can improve on that data and they experiment but they do it using what's called the learning cycle 
where they plan out an action, um, they uh, act on that action, they study the result, and then they make a change based on the studying of the result. So by using the scientific method or learning cycle, employees actually get joy in work and have more fun and they're more challenged and they're tracking their own progress. They don't need somebody to tell them how they're doing uh, uh, if they're tracking their own data. And this can be done in virtually any organization because there's always a process that you have influence over. And so you look at that process and you say, okay, what, uh, what process can I improve? And then how, um, and then how can I be sure that, it, that it's improved? Let me tell you a quick story. Do I have a, a minute to tell a quick story here? Sure. Uh, my, my daughter, uh, when she was, uh, she turned, she was in sixth grade, she was 11 and uh, she started taking the bus. So here's what I heard almost every morning from, from my wife, Lori. Emily, you're late. You're going to miss the bus. You better hurry up. Come on. You're not dressed. You've got to brush your teeth. You didn't make your bed. Where are your books? You're going to miss the bus. Hurry up. Eat your breakfast. So this went on for like a month, a month and a half. And sure enough, one morning, Emily, come, she comes downstairs. I hear her uh, because I'm, uh, my office is in the, uh, in the downstairs uh, floor. And so she comes down the stairs, she's, she's crying, she says, Dad, take me to school, Mom, Mom's not talking to me, and I miss the bus. I said, okay, honey, um, let, me, let me ask you a question, I'll take you to school, let me ask you a question. What process is not working for you that you could track on your own so that you could catch the bus? She said, Dad, I'm only 11, don't ask me questions like this. I said, well, <laughs> all right, listen. I'm going to take you to school. I want you to think about how you could catch the bus on your own because right now you have what's called a manager-dependent process. Mom is watching you. She's criticizing you. She's telling you what to do in order to catch the bus. And finally, she got fed up. She probably didn't say anything. And you missed the bus because she, w- she wasn't reminding you. She said, yeah, that's what she told me. I said, see? All right, so think of what you can do on your own. So she, she kind of rolled her eyes. You know how 11-year-olds are. So she uh, goes to school. She comes home that night, and she says, Dad, I thought of something. She said, buy me a timer. I'll, I'll set it for five minutes ahead, put it on the kitchen table. When it goes off, I can hear it upstairs, and I know I have five minutes. I said, that sounds great. Let's try that. Let's, let's experiment with that. And she said, okay, great. That sounds good. I said, one more thing. The night before, I want you to make an agreement to put your books next to the front door so you don't have to look for them. She said, oh, I could do that. So now, what has she done? She's made two agreements with me and with herself to track um, and to prepare, not, not to, not to uh, look at how she could catch the, uh, not to make sure that she catches the bus on her own, but she figured out things that she could measure and do on her own that predictively would get her to the bus on time. So she took the bus for three years after that. How many times did you think she missed the bus? Zero. Why? Because she set up the process at a time. Now, why can't employees do that? And why can't managers lead employees to do that instead of grading them or criticizing them with a performance review? It's an interesting question, and I'm looking forward to you answering that very question because you might have an answer. But here's one question. Is it possible that some roles and some people actually like the management-dependent type of role where their success is measured by other people? Sure. Yeah, some people do. Uh, On the other hand, 
I have two questions for you. Is that the kind of employee that we need today in the knowledge economy where things change is coming at us so quickly that we have to respond uh, in ways that customers customers change their needs and suggestions and requests quickly? Do we have to wait for the manager to say, okay, it's okay to do that, or let me watch you do that and see if you can do that? Uh, is that the kind of employee that we want? Is that a leader in, in as an employee, or is that a follower? Everybody's got to be a follower leader at one point in time, but I call that person a victim, waiting for the manager to tell them what to do. That's not the proactive, engaged employee that I assert that we need today if we're going to meet the competitive challenges of a global economy. So I want more of the employees that are willing and, and excited about uh, taking a risk uh, and within a context and uh, pushing themselves to uh, develop and get better and better and better. That's the kind of employee I want. Onboarding is an interesting question. Um, when I say the word onboarding, I mean onboarding, let's say, an employee to the methodologies and the vision and where the company is trying to go and various processes or systems that are in place. Um, and I want to throw an example out at you where onboarding is actually critical, um, where without it, it's like throwing darts blindly. Here's the example. Um, and then I want you to respond to this, this importance of onboarding and how it sort of gets everybody on the same page. Sure. One of our sister properties is called Writer Access. So Idea Launch is a parent company. Life Tips I started. It was the first launch of, of, of Life Tips. Life Tips was the first launch of Idea Launch. Then we launched Writer Access, which is this marketplace that connects 5,000 writers with about 7,000 uh, uh, customers. It's a really cool model. Um, but here's where it comes. Here's where your last point gets very interesting. When a customer purchases content from from a writer in the platform, the writer is asked to try to get inside the head of the client and create content and be creative, much like you're asking uh, employees to do to be empowered, right? But what's interesting is that that customer has definitely has specifications and requirements of what they want with the content that's being created, right? They have a certain tone and style that they're looking for. They have a way that they are used to creating content, but they want a ghostwriter to create that content for them. The feedback becomes imperative, um, and the instructions become imperative. If the instructions are not clear, the writer has to guess. If the writer doesn't guess right, the customer is not happy. If the customer is not happy, they can choose to either reject content and say, you suck, which really means you guessed wrong, or or, uh, the customer can say, let me tell you where you went wrong. Let me onboard you why you're not doing what I want you to do. Now, I would argue that your point's a good one there, that we want employees to be creative. We want them to be empowered, right? right? But at the same time, they don't often know what the end game is and how to get there. You know, sales, for example, is often a numbers game. You know, you have to make 50 calls to find five to seven people that you speak with and only one of those might be interested, you know, and that's, that's a long day to make 50 calls and only a lot, a lot of rejection there, right? Sure. So can a new salesperson come along and say, hey, I've got a new plan. I'm only going to make 30 calls today, but I'm going to do more homework and they're going to be good calls. You know, trust me on this one. You know, do you... 
do you roll the dice and let every single salesperson that works for you develop their own plans and strategies? You know, where does the feedback come in? Where does the success come in? Because sure. this is this is difficult. So, Wally, align me here and tell me what's what's going on with my thinking. Okay. <laughs> well, that's a that's a really challenging uh, question. And what you're asking is, how do you onboard the writers in such a way that you're uh, developing and see if I get this right that yeah. you're developing a level of trust uh, with the customer and you're also creating what I would call synergy with that customer such that there's a there's new ideas and a, and a deeper understanding of what that customer wants by the writer how do you do that and that's that's what you're calling onboarding and yeah. how do you do that how do you do that in a way that the writers feel empowered and uh, the ability to take risks. That's exactly right. Okay. Yes. So now that and, and and here's an interesting just one point on that. Sure. Performance is 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 you know the 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 performance review is is the end of this, right? Okay. And and so it's spot on to everything that you're talking about. And okay. if the writer guesses wrong, bad performance, bad job, you're fired. If the writer guess is right if the instructions are poor but they take some creative license and they dazzle because they think it might be the right thing to do rather than being more practical or more authoritative in the approach it's a guessing game well it's a guessing game unless you have a process and unless you can develop trust if you have a process to develop trust and I assert that that technique that I just used with you is one of the Mm. techniques Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. You listen and then you repeat back what the customer is saying before you agree to do anything. Mm-hmm. And that, how, how well of a skill is that honed with your writers? And um, this, is, this is what I call a handoff. You're calling it onboarding. I'm calling it a handoff. Mm-hmm. It's information that the writer needs from the customer such that the writer can do what the customer wants. Mm-hmm. Now that that's a bit of an art and it's a bit of a science and the system dependent way to do that is with a checklist. So what I teach organizations to do is to identify the key handoffs that make the greatest difference to their organization and then create checklists and then have in this in this instance you could have your writers create a checklist and then manage that checklist and add to it and refine it. So it's a checklist-dependent way of uh, soliciting the information from from the customer and responding to the customer. Instead of, uh, if you have uh, 50 writers, you have 50 different ways of doing it. So this way, the writers are all learning from each other, and they're honing it, and you can measure it because you find out... Uh, once the once the first round uh, gets submitted to the customer, what's the response from the customer? What percentage of response do you get from your customers? Uh, that's uh, uh, that's a great response. What percentage are you getting? And you and the writers could work as a team, share that knowledge, and refine that checklist and refine their skills of developing trust and that would be part of what that checklist would be because think about it if the higher the level of trust that you have with someone the more mistakes you can make before they say get the heck out of here so building trust has got to be part of that checklist mm-hmm. 
Uh, spot spot on with the with the with the checklist concept and how to bridge this gap of someone that has more knowledge than somebody else about what they want. How do you convey that? So the way we did that is kind of interesting. We we created something called a, either a project brief or in this case you could actually go to creativebriefwizard.com. You love this. And um if you go there while you'll see that it's an actual Something that we want clients to fill out when they're placing orders. It's like a, it's like a, a required. It's like a checklist. This is what it is. Like one of the one of the uh, questions is who is your target audience? You know, are they? One of them is customers, prospect customers, knowledge seekers. Well, those are different audiences. You know, what's the comprehension level for that target target audience? Are they newbies or do they have basic knowledge or are they gurus? You know, so now the writer is starting to get a feel through a very quick checklist sort of format, so they can be onboarded properly. And maybe that's the challenge, Wally, here, is that, you know, if you can define, you know, like in, in your daughter's case, for example, okay, we agree that missing the bus sucks, <laughs> you know, because right. so, exactly. uh, everyone's day has to be interrupted and you have to actually that's deal right. with dad for like 20 minutes on the way to school and <laughs> you may be late. So this is, we need to avoid this. So, you know, what is the goal and objective? Being on school time is and you know, having your books and being organized in your life, you know, how do you teach an eleven-year-old daughter that these are fundamentals that will carry on? I don't know. I guess that's your challenge, not mine. But the point is that onboarding becomes critical, and maybe that's what leaders need to do: is to have those visionary statements of saying, "Here's what we've tried before that hasn't worked. Here's what we have done." that here are maybe creative ideas we can come up with that are new and fresh and different. Let's empower you with what has not worked, right? So we know that not calling customers at all is probably not going to work. So let's rule that out, right? So, but we know we need to communicate with them. The question is, how do we communicate with them, you know? Right. And what, you know, and empowering them. So is it, you know, but, but I want to go back to the to the some of the core elements, which are this whole performance review. Can you tell me what a what a really lousy performance re- review is all about in your mind? Because you've seen lots of them, and I want to know how how bad are my reviews with my employees? And I'm sure other people are have the same questions. Oh yeah, I've, I've experienced them uh, personally. It's mm-hmm. uh, in fact, uh, I uh, I'll, I'll tell you my personal um, experience. Uh, uh, Ranks right up there as uh, some of the wor- uh, some of the worst reviews of all, and that was I had um, I-, I was told by a customer. This was oh, this was twenty years ago, twenty five years ago. I was told by a customer. It was when I was working for a big company. I was told by a customer that I was going to get a million dollars in new business. I was a salesperson, mm-hmm. so I announced that to the uh, department and. Uh, they got so excited. I didn't ask for a reward, but they, I got so excited they gave me a plaque saying a million dollars. Well, the customer canceled a week later uh, without uh, anything that I did. Well, the the week after that, I got the worst review of of um, of my life, and the vice president did the review with me. He said, "You know, you embarrassed us because we gave you this award two weeks ago, and then uh, you, you can't, uh, you know, and then the customer canceled." And I, I, what am I going to say? It was, it was, uh, these were factors outside of my control, and I didn't ask for the reward in the first place. So, mm-hmm. what did he do? He damaged my my motivation to do anything risky. He he stopped me in the future from sharing any good news until 
absolutely I was sure of what was going on, which, which mm-hmm. hurt me in my planning process for any new potential business because I, I had to stop planning internally uh, because I was so afraid that I, I might get embarrassed again. And that hurt the customers and that hurt the sales in ways that you can't measure. Mm-hmm. So by, by doing the typical appraisal, I'm calling it malpractice because that's exactly what it is. It damages organizations and engagement of employees in ways that we cannot measure. Hmm. There are leaders that need this advice more than others. Would you agree upon that? And who are those leaders that are that are uh, that should have malpractice, uh, uh, you know, awards or tickets handed out to them? And that's another interesting concept, by the way. Can you imagine a fun? malpractice ticket system that you could hand out to have employees hand out to their managers? Well, I'd like, I'd like to get in the car right now. You just gave me the idea. I, I, I've got to get in the car and drive from Connecticut down to Washington, D.C., and virtually everybody down there is going to get one of those tickets as far as I'm concerned. Nice. You know, they're not demonstrating any kind of leadership uh-huh. uh, that, is, uh, uh, that is helping us or helping themselves or helping the country. So uh, what type of leaders, the ones that attempt to control people, and I don't, I don't hold them in, in ill regard because our, our kids are still being taught this model today. Think about it. In every public school today, virtually every public school, what we have is the people that create the curriculum are telling the superintendents, here's the curriculum that you have to do. This, the superintendents are telling the teachers, here's what you have to teach to this curriculum, and here are the tests that we have to teach to, because if the, if the students don't pass these tests and achieve a certain level of, uh, of proficiency, then we're not going to get the money from the government that we need in order to keep the school open. So it's a, it's a Frederick Taylor control system. And it's damaged, and it's not working. It's not. It's not working on any level. Uh, it's holding kids back. Who uh, the the kids that are really uh, enjoy that type of system are bored, and the ones that can't function within that system are failing miserably. So um, that we're still being taught. That's why I say in the book, I've got a whole chapter on that. Please stop already the leadership malpractice. So we've been taught something wrong we have to unlearn this we've got to replace it with something else and that's what i'm uh, proposing in the book well it's been great having you on the show today thanks so much byron it's been my honor thank you so much thanks for your great (laughs) questions and a great dialogue i appreciate it indeed wally how do you want people to get a hold of you and 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 how can they get a hold of you who do who do you want to get a hold of you yes please uh my website is optimumleadership.com and there's uh, uh, links there on to contact me either by phone or by email. And uh, my email is wally at wallyhauk.com. Uh, but the website is optimumleadership.com. Awesome. And what type of person do you want to get to, to reach out to you? Do you do individual coaching as well as corporate coaching as well as, of course, people that want to purchase your book? But just give a feel for that because I know you do some really cool and interesting consulting. I do. I have um, I have a coaching practice as well. What I'm looking for, I'm looking for people. I'm looking for leaders who are fed up with the typical performance review, and they want to know what can they do differently in order to increase employee engagement. That's why I want to have contact me. 
Terrific. Well, thanks again for being on the show. Hope everyone enjoyed uh, today's show. Hope your life's a little smarter, better, faster, and wiser, especially when it comes to leadership and performance reviews. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week, everybody. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.